KMTT, Ki, Mitzion, Tetzei Torah. And today is Monday, regular Shir of Harav Moshe Taragin about Tefillah. Harav Taragin. Typically, our perspective, our, our presumptions surrounding Tefillah is that this is an encounter with a Kodesh Baruch Hu which is uneven. Uneven in the sense that mortal and flawed man stands before the Melech Malchim Lachim, lodging his requests, some requests more national in scope, some more personal, some requests perhaps more legitimate, others less appropriate, but either way, we have the right and even the, the mitzvah to lodge these requests. But that encounter, or that petition, is premised on the notion of undeservedness, what we're asking from the Melech Machem Lachem, we, we know a warrant, we don't deserve our requests. And because of that lack of deservedness, the requests are petitional, or are pleads, in which we ask the Rabboni Shalom for his rachamim, for his mercy and compassion, even though we may not deserve it. As the Pasuk in Kitisa instructs Moshe, Vechanosi es asher achon, v'richamti es asher arachem. I will have mercy upon the person that I choose, Esa Sharachem. As the Gemara in Brachos on Dav Zayin articulates that the terms Rachum Vechanun, which are part of the Yud Gimel Midos, the 13 attributes of Akarish Barchu, these two terms of Rachum and Chanun aptly capture that Akarish Barchu delivers mercy and compassion, support and provision to those who don't or may not deserve it. The Lashon, the language of the Gemara and Brachos is, Af al-pi hagon. Even though a person does not deserve it, is not worthy, is not suited for the request and the Rachamim that he solicits or seeks, HaKadosh Baruch Hu delivers it freely. The Medrash in Kitisa speaks of Moshe ascending to Shemayim, witnessing various treasure chests of Schar, asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is that first chest designed for? And Hashem says, for people who study Torah. The next chest, Hashem says, is for people who perform Eisen Tovim. And finally, after viewing each chest of, each treasure chest of potential schar, sequentially, Moshe sees this limitless chest of schar, and he asks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who's that for? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds, that chest is for people that don't deserve it, that don't have Torah study or erudition or piety or maisim tovim, social selflessness. These are people that don't deserve it, Hashem says. I allocate compassion and mercy freely, even though they may not warrant it. At this stage, Moshe requests that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should offer him this matnas this freely undeserved rachamim. Moshe desires, even though Moshe certainly had merit and certainly could warrant his request or back it up with his own experience, he requested from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, according to the Medrash at least, that he should receive this Rachamim. So that Medrash, those phrases, Racham, Bechanon, Afalpi, She'ino, Hagon, even though a person doesn't deserve it, are referring to the specific instance in Parshish Kitisa but in general serve as a framework for our view of tefillah. A person stands in front of the Malach Machayim Lachim, pleads with the Rabboni Shalom, doesn't arrogate or presume, doesn't arrogate to himself or presume that his requests are warranted or are backed up with 
with a, uh, a mandate, but pleads and davens to the Imelech Machem Lachim for what we would call free mercy, free delivery of Hashem's compassion and provision. Yet, in last week's discussion, in last week's share, I mentioned some very interesting employment of language regarding Yaakov's tefillah. In Parshas Vayetze, Yaakov's tefillah is described as pigi'ah, almost warlike or aggressive. That militant flavor is augmented in Parshas Vayechi, where Yaakov describes the tefillah which accompanied his battle for Shechem, battle for Shechem, which occurred in Parshas Vayishlach. He describes that experience, I took Shechem, I secured Shechem, with my sword and with my arrow. As I mentioned last week, the sword and the arrow, here, at least according to Unclus, according to the Medrash as well, refers to different types of prayer. There's a militancy to Yaakov's prayer. Now, employing the term Becharbi Uvekashti is... Referring to prayer in military or, or um, belligerent terminology almost, it's not merely an attempt to capture the aggressive nature of tefillah, the struggle that's normally associated with a military campaign, the way we impact Akadosh Baruch Hu's Ratzon, the way Lahavdil, people impact each other on the battlefield. But it also suggests a very different tone very different flavor to tefillah, not a tefillah of begging and pleading, of desperately petitioning that for which we don't deserve, but almost securing that which is rightfully ours. Obviously, warfare entails some desperation, but the premise of people who go to war is that they launch the campaign to secure, in many cases, resources, land, interests, which they believe are rightfully theirs, which they believe they rightfully possess, and they're trying to recover or protect them. If Moshe Rabbeinu in Parshas Kitisa listens to Hashem describing the Chanosi, Eis Asher Achon, Vrichamti Eis Asher Achem, almost an arbitrary decision to allocate or to award compassion, <coughs> independent of deservedness, Yaakov's tefillah certainly suggests otherwise. The Medrash in Parshas Veschanan, very well-known Medrash, Rabbi Yochanan claims there are ten different languages of tefillah. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Asara Lashonos Nikres Tefillah. He lists various languages. Some of them, again with subtle differences, but some of them are reflective of the plea, of the petition, of the lack of deservedness. Um, Shava, Tzeaka, crying out to Hashem. Perhaps Nepal, falling down on your face, too embarrassed to fall on your face. Tachanunim, free requests. Same phrase of the Chanosi Esasher Achon. Tachanunim. As we'll see in a few moments, Moshe actually employs Tachanunim. Hashem. The word tachanunim, etymologically, may be traced to the word chinam, free, undeserved, unwarranted. Tachanunim. But yet Yaakov's languages of tefillah, in particular pegiah, pegiah is itself listed in that list of ten, which Yochanan provided, captures a very different tone, not of begging and pleading, but almost of demanding and acquiring of expecting and dictating. 
The notion that a person can, as it were, speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a tzaddik in particular, can speak to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and lodge a demand rather than plead and solicit, petition and humbly ask for some need, that notion is captured primarily by a Gemara in Moed Katan. A Gemara in Moed Katan on Daf Tezayin. The Gemara cites a Pasuk. The Gemara cites a Pasuk from Shmuel Bey's Perich of Gimel. A continuation of David Shevach, the more famous part of David Shevach, is cited in Perich of Bey's, concluding with the well-known Pasuk Migdol Yeshua's Malko. But David continues his Shevach in Perich of Gimel. In Pasuk of Gimel of Perich of Gimel, David writes, Amar Elokei Yisrael li, Diber, Tzor Yisrael, Moshel Be'adam, Tzadik, Moshel Yirat Elokim. In general, the Pasuk means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the ruler of man, has spoken to me. But the Gemara in Moed Katan dissects this Pasuk as follows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Moshel Ba'adam. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the master of the entire universe, master of all men. The continuation of the Pasuk, the last part of the Pasuk, Moshel Yirat Tzadik Moshel, Mi Moshel Bi Hashem says, if I rule man, who, so to speak, rules me? Mi Moshel Bi. Who rules me? Hashem sort of encodes or broadcasts. And the answer of the Pasuk is, Tzadik. Hashem says that Tzadik determines my decisions. Shani gozer gzera. I will issue a decree umivatla. And I will cancel that decree if a Tzadik, so to speak, forces my hand. The Pasuk can be read, Sur Yisrael Moshel Adam. God is the protector of Am Yisrael, the master of man. Tzadik Moshel. However, the master of Hashem, so to speak, is the Tzadik. This Gemara serves as the source for a very powerful and one could say even provocative concept known loosely as Tzadik Gozer Vakarish Baruchu Mikayim. A Tzadik can dictate and govern Hakarish Baruchu's decisions. Now, obviously, this doesn't mean that the Tzadik has the power, Chas Vishalom, to issue decrees to Hakarish Baruchu. Hakarish Baruchu programs a world in which a tzaddik can launch almost demands that will be automatically met based on the tzaddik's lifestyle, based on the tzaddik's experience. Many of the Hasidic Rebbein, in particular, Rebbe Limelech Miluzansk, but others as well, seized upon this notion and pivoted it as a center of Hasidic ideology that the Hasidic Rebbe almost had supernatural influence on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and of course, by extension, as a corollary, the Hasidim should solicit the help and assistance of the Hasidic Sherebi in changing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will, in performing and participating in this experience of Tzadik Gozer v'HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mikayim. The seeds of this notion are already latent in a pasuk in Parshas Baloscha itself, a well-known pasuk, Vayihi ben Sawaharon Vayomer Moshe, 
Kuma Hashem speaks to Hakadosh Baruch Hu almost in familiar and one can say expectant terms. Kuma Hashem, he doesn't say Na Ya Kuma Hashem. Kuma Hashem please arise without the please arise and defeat your enemies. And in fact, the Medrash says that one of the nicknames of Moshe, cited in a pasuk in Divrei Hayamim, one of Moshe's nicknames was actually <coughs> Yakum Yud Kuf Vav Mem. Moshe was referred to Yakum in part because of this Pasuk, because Moshe would often say, Kuma Hashem He would expect Hashem to respond to his demand, to his expectations. Another instance in which Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in, so to speak, demanding terminology in Parshas Pinchas, when Moshe Rabbeinu expects Hashem to appoint a successor, to appoint Yahushua, in Parak Havzayin, Pasuk Tezayin, Yifkod Hashem, Elokei Ruchos Lechol Basar, Isha Aloida. Again, the absence of the word Na, of any request or, so to speak, a preface of please, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Yifkod Hashem, Elokei Ruchos. The Medrash in Bamid Barab actually refers to this as Bab Izroa. Moshe coming with force and authority. Yifkod Hashem, Elokei Ruchos. Of course, the Medrash qualifies this, and this qualification applies to the Pasuk in Paloscha as well, that Moshe Rabbeinu is lodging these requests with force because he's soliciting national interest. In each case, he's asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu in Parshas Paloscha to defeat the enemies, Kum HaShem in Parshas Pinchas to appoint his successor to lead Am Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael. That gives him the right and the authority to speak to the Rabboni Shalom in a somewhat demanding term. There's a medrash describing the power of tzedakah, <coughs> based upon a very interesting word in Parshas Kisavo. When we bring our Bikurim, our maestros, to the Beis HaMikdash, part of our prayer to the Rabboni Shalom is, Hashkifa mimon kachecha min ha-shamayim. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to look down from heaven and shower us with compassion, with bracha, that the next year's agricultural cycle should be as successful as the previous ones. The, me- the Mishnah in Meseches Meister Sheni, Parakei, Mishnah Yud Gimel, Hashkifa mimon kachacha min again, that almost commanding word, look down. So the Mishnah elaborates that we are effectively speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and requesting, but to a degree demanding, Asinu, Mashegazarta Aleinu, we have fulfilled your expectations, your command, your decrees. Asinu, mashigazarta aleinu, afata, asemashivtachtanu. We ask, we almost expect you to reciprocate and to fulfill our interests. Though the notion of a tzaddik demanding or dictating terms to is presented by the Gemara and Moed Katan, the Mishnah and Maishrasheni, the Medrash to the Pasuk and Parshas Pinchas in a general sense, in particular with Tefillah, the capacity of a tzaddik to lodge demands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is highlighted. Perhaps the episode in the Torah in which Moshe's Tefillah takes the form of a dictation, not just a supplication, of a demand, not just begging, the famous Tefillah subsequent to Am Yisrael's Chet HaEgel, 
in Parshas Kitisa. The Gemara in Brachos describes Moshe's campaign. Gemara in Brachos, Daflamid Beis, Melame, the Gemara says, Shetafso Moshe la Kodesh Baruchu, Ki Adam Shutafes es Chavero Bevigdo. A very powerful and perhaps provocative image of Moshe grabbing HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kivayachal by the lapel. Ki Adam Shutafes es Chavero Bevigdo, I will not let go of your cloak until you forgive them. This aggressiveness and powerful tefillah is connoted primarily by the term Vayichal, very interesting phrase denoting Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah, Vayichal Moshe Hashem and the Gemara and Brachos supply several interpretations of the word Vayichal, several drashos. But the commonality or the common denominator between the interpretations is that they all bespeak, they all assert an aggressive, forceful, demanding type of tefillah. Vayichal Moshe Espenei Hashem, the Gemara and Brachos, Daflam Beis continues, Amar Rabbi Elazar, the word Vayichal stems from the etymological root of Cholet. Moshe davened so incessantly, so ferociously, that he literally made HaKadosh Baruch Hu weak to a Cholet. Rava Amar, Rava disagrees with her Belazar, until he forced Hashem to rescind his nether. The term Vayichal can be parallel to the word Bal Yachel in Parshas Matos, not to violate verbal declarations. Moshe caused HaKadosh Baruch Hu to violate literally his own word, his own stated intention. Amar Rav, Amar Rav Yitzchak, Rav states in the name of Rav Yitzchak, Shehechla Aleh Midas Arachamim, Moshe caused Hashem to choose, to impose, to confer to Am Yisrael pity and compassion as opposed to judgment and... Um, and, and precise judgment, precise justice. Rabbanan Amri, the Rabbanan said, Shem Baruch Hu Moshe claimed in front of Hashem, Rabbanu Shalom, Chulin Hulach. The word Vayichal comes from the term Chulin. It, it's, it's foreign, it's incompatible for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Very similar in this respect to a previous person who davened in a similarly aggressive tone, Avraham Avinu in Parshas, it's chulin for you, as Rashi comments in Parshas Vayera. It's so inconsistent with everything I've been taught about you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Whether Vayichal refers to Moshe Rabbeinu making Hashem sick, forcing him to rescind his word, forcing HaKadosh Baruch Hu to choose Midas HaRachamim above Midas Sadin, or forcing the Rabboni Shalom, or commenting on how inconsistent HaKadosh Baruch Hu's threats seemed with the compassion Moshe knew of Hashem, the term Vayichal denotes a form of tefillah which is very far from begging and solicitation. It's a tefillah which is confident, which lodges demands, which asserts itself. When does a person daven in a tone of begging and supplication? When should our prayers reflect this tone of demanding? So the truth is, Chazal themselves are careful. They note this distinction, and they are careful to compartmentalize the two. 
I mentioned before that the Medrash, in the beginning of Parshat Vetchanan, during Moshe's heroic stand, in earnest attempt to secure entry into Eretz Yisrael, to repeal HaKadosh Baruch Hu's harsh decree against him banning his entry, so Yochanan, Medrash in the beginning of Vetchanan, Yochanan cites there are ten languages of Tvila, ten different emotional states of Tvila, and yet Moshe pivoted his Tvila upon Tachanunim. Umikulam lo nispal al Moshe ala belashon Tachanunim. The Medrash not only comments on Moshe's selection, but on the irony of this selection. The Medrash continues, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Mikanat alameid, she'ein laberi aklum etzel baro. Man has no rights, no deservedness in front of God. This is Moshe Rabbeinu, the leader of all prophets, who prays for Hashem's freely delivered, arbitrarily delivered chesed. Again, based on that Pasuk in Kitisa, the Chanosiyas Asher Achon, Pri Chamtiyas Asher Achem. So Yochanan highlights Moshe Rabbeinu's own personal selection, perhaps in sync with that earlier matters that Moshe was almost uh, transfixed by the potential chesed of, or potential chesed to those who may not deserve it. But the Medrash continues, the Medrash in Vietchanan continues that this selection of Tachanunim was not necessarily voluntary. Amir Avi Avin, Lema Davar Dome, it's similar, the scene of Moshe Rabbeinu is similar to a king's acquaintance. Yesterday was walking freely with all the king's assistants and politicians, he was part of the king's court, so to speak. The next day he's witnessed waiting by the gates, unable to enter. His time has passed. Rabbi Avin continues, Moshe, throughout 40 years, decreed to Hashem, ordered God, dictated to him, Kum Hashem, Shuvah Hashem, various psukim which I cited earlier, almost expecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu to, so to speak, come through in the clutch. Medrash cites Moshe Rabbeinu's confidence in promising or threatening Karach that God will intercede with a miracle. And now he's begging to enter Eretz Yisrael. So Biavin comments on the contrast between Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah throughout the 40 years of demanding, of expectation, and the tefillah in Parshas Veschanan, which is a, one of begging. But Biavin doesn't exactly explain why Moshe's tefillah transitions from a tefillah of demanding to a tefillah of begging. The Menish continues with a final shot, which does seem to provide the contrast, that this was a built-in dichotomy between two types of tefillah. The Medrash continues that as long, maintaining the previous metaphor, as long as that acquaintance of the king, in this case, the wife of the king, the matron of the king, had a child living with the king, then she was granted free entry. Once the child dies, then she has to find all sorts of access points and reasons to be included in the king's court. The Menish continues, as long as Moshe Rabbeinu davened for Am Yisrael, then he has the right to claim Yifkod Hashem, to claim Kum Hashem, when a person davens for an entity larger than himself, particularly for Am Yisrael, guaranteed of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's mercy, then their tefillah can be launched aggressively, then their tefillah can be flavored with demanding. 
Until this point, Moshe's davening was consumed with the future of Am Yisrael, staving off elimination, rescuing them, protecting their uh, sanctity, their integrity, fending off the challenges of Korach. The truth is, this lesson that when you daven for Am Yisrael, you can daven in an almost expecting sense, was established even before the Chedar even before Moshe made HaKadosh Baruch Hu ill, or made HaKadosh Baruch Hu rescind his neder of Eichel Moshe. At the Yamsuf, so Moshe turns to Hashem, and Hashem responds to Moshe after Moshe prays, Pasuk Tes Vav, Perak Yudalan, Shemos, Vayom Hashem El Moshe, Matitzakalai, why are you screaming? Dabel Bene Yisrael Vyisel, tell the Jewish people to travel, and of course the miracles will be, uh, will, will occur soon. Why is the Kodesh Baruch Hu telling Moshe, stop davening? So the Manush comments that a Kodesh Baruch Hu effectively tells Moshe that I'm not discouraging your davening. Matitzakele means you're davening in a petitional form and you should be davening in more of an expectant form. The Lashon of the Manush is Moshe saw Pyro chasing them, Balitzok, he began to cry and to scream and to plead. Hashem, the king tells Moshe, why are you so worried? Gizar, decree, list your interests, tell me what you'd like. And I'll perform it for you gladly. So when Hashem instructs Moshe in Parshas B'Shalach, Matitz Akilai, Dabero B'nei Yisrael he's effectively educating Moshe that when you daven for the needs of Am Yisrael, your davening should be demanding, confident, expectant. Dabero B'nei Yisrael rather than pleading and petitioning, rather than a davening based on underconfidence and lack of deservedness. So as long as Moshe Rabbeinu davens on behalf of Am Yisrael, most of his davening in Tanakh, or on behalf of Miriam in Parshat Halotcha, crucial to Am Yisrael's march through the desert, Miriam's position, then he can daven with his self-confident sense of expectation. As the Medrash, again in Parshat Veschanan, comments, Neki chapayim uvar levav, who ascends the mountain of Hashem, mi bahar Hashem, or mi kom kacho, commenting on the Pasuk in Tehillim Chavdalet, Neki chapayim, someone whose palms are clean, uvar levav, and sure-hearted. What does it mean, sure-hearted? So the Medrash comments, libo barer alav, if you're clear, if it, you're absolutely certain, libo barer, with a clear and heart of conviction and absolute clarity, she'eno tovei atzarech that your tefilos are not self-interested, elo letzarechon shel Yisrael, but you daven on behalf of Am Yisrael then your davening can be couched in a demanding term, in a demanding fashion. It can be based on confidence, not only humility. The Rav Zatzal of Soloveitchik once claimed that the difference between the Vidur we recite in Yom Kippur collectively in our Tvilos B'Tzibor and the Vidur we recite during our pri- private prayers, we ask the Kodesh Baruch Hu for private mechila when we daven privately. And we recite the Vidur hunched over, broken-hearted, in quiet and muted tones. But when we recite Vidur collectively, we're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to forgive us, not as individuals, but to fulfill the guarantee which He issued to Am Yisrael at Har Sinai, 
the 13 attributes of mercy, the guarantee that if we recite them, then Am Yisrael as a collective unit will receive kapara. And when we ask for kapara, form of tefillah, as a collective, we have so high a level of guarantee, of confidence, that we actually shout the vidui, and we sing it to what was effectively a medieval marching tune. Ashkenazim sing it to a tune which was a war song, a military uh, uh, melody. Because we're proud, we're confident. Asham knew, Bagad knew that Kurdish Baruchu will respond and will deliver the kapara we so earnestly seek. I mean, otherwise, it would sound a little bit uh, foolish to shout out in proud and triumphant tones, we have sinned, we have uh, lied, we have cheated. I mean, these are confessions that seem to be better suited for a muted, quiet tone. But when we daven to Kodesh Baruch as part of a collective, says Moshe daven with almost an aggressive stance, we have similar rights. However, in Parshish Veschanan, Moshe begins to daven for himself. At that stage the dynamic shift. And this individual who used to be the king's acquaintance and friend and walks so freely and unobstructedly through the king's palace or to choose a different metaphor of the matters, the king's uh, matron, person who took care of their common child, now is barred entry and has to beg their way through the gates. Moshe Rabbeinu is begging. And of course that begging is, so to speak, unsuccessful because his wish isn't granted. Because I'll say that Moshe Davin... 500 tefillos, tough kuf tefillos. And Akash Baruch halted his tefillah. So the primary distinction between a prayer of begging and a prayer of demanding lies between the target of your tefillah. So are you davening on behalf of a collective Jewish national historical interest or are you davening on behalf of your own personal needs? But aside from that particular compartmentalization, even when a person davens for particular needs, you can't daven solely with the voice of demand, but certainly this form of davening should thread and flavor his tefillahs. Sometimes we're more comfortable with a tefillah based on begging. Sometimes we're comfortable in our lack of deservedness. It allows us the freedom, so to speak, of stasis, of not growing and developing our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nothing is expected of us. We are clearly in a position of unworthiness. No expectations are set for us. And HaKadosh Baruch has promised us that if we daven earnestly and fervently, and even in our state of unworthiness, our requests will be fulfilled. Hashem is compassionate, merciful, even to those who don't deserve it. Sometimes the state of non-deservedness can be itself imprisoning. The specter of davening and demanding and, and dictating, again, not maybe in a militant form, but at least in a confident form, also sets certain standards for our own conduct. If we are indeed to play the role of a gozer, of someone who claims, Kum Hashem, Yifkod Hashem, Basar, to daven is Moshe daven, Vayichal Moshe Espenei Hashem, to appreciate the lesson, Matitzake, Laidavel B'Neisel, V'Yisau, then there are certain standards that can be expected of ourselves. We must rise to the occasion and build the type of relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the type of obedience and interaction in which those demands are purely, are perfectly logical and reasonable because our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so extensive and so comprehensive that 
we can expect HaKadosh Baruch Hu to respond to not just our petitions, but to our expectations and almost demands, because we are also in sharp fulfillment of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's expectations. The relationship is such that there's almost a symbiotic set of expectations. And, for example, as in a marriage, a person, of course, shouldn't lodge demands of their spouse. Alternatively, when one spouse asks another, there isn't the sense of pleading and desperation and I don't deserve it. There's a natural union, a natural partnership that facilitates healthy requests. A person has to be able to depend upon a spouse, has to be able to, to lean on a spouse and to lodge requests of a spouse. And sometimes if our davening is solely the davening of begging, of, of pleading then our own religious growth becomes stunted or halted because we have no expectations and no ambitions and we're perfectly comfortable remaining static in our own mediocrity and pleading with the Kurdish Baruch Hu, expecting His endless mercy to be showered upon us. So again, in the technical sense, there's a clear and sharp division between Tzadik Gozer, between Moshe Rabbeinu Davening on behalf of the Jewish people at the Yamsuf, during the Chet HaEgel, on behalf of Miriam, not just in prayer, but in general deportment. Kum Hashem please Hashem, slaughter your enemies. Hashkifa the Pasuk in Kisavo, look down from heaven and reciprocate our tztaka, Am Yisrael's fidelity to tztaka, to Maestro Sheni, to Vidar Maestro's. Yifkod Hashem, Elokei Aruchos, Moshe Rabbeinu, almost expecting Hashem to immediately supply a successor as opposed to Moshe and Veschanan, so to speak, uh, losing that voice of tefillah and relying solely upon this freely granted mercy to the non-deserving. But even during personal prayers, even when a person prays individually for personal needs, there is a healthy balance between begging, and I won't use the word demanding, but confidence expectation, coolly and calmly expecting HaKadosh Baruch Hu, or at least requesting with warrant and mandate, requesting HaKadosh Baruch Hu to reciprocate the type of conduct and behavior we try so hard to condition within our own religious lives.